0: Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So, The definition of worship um, can be said this way. It's when we give our deepest affections and our highest, highest praise to something. And so when we put it in simple language like that, some of you might be saying, right, well, if I'm really honest about that, it's probably a football team. That's what I worship. Or it could be a pop star. It could be the UFC, if you like MMA. There might be someone in that that you would just give your deepest affection to, just think the world you. If you've seen them on the street, you would start to shake. Maybe it's a musician. But, but listen, worship is in us all. It's a part of who we are. We just, we are attracted to worship. I remember years ago, there was a person that influenced my life a lot and, and because I'm in the, you could, some people might say the church world and I'm around pastors and different people that I look up to within that world. Um, there's certain people that I have been challenged by, changed by because of their style of teaching, the way they teach, the way they live, the example they've had. And because of that, there was one, one day, over 10 years ago, I got to host some of these people that I looked up to dearly. And when I got in their presence, I literally started to stutter. Anyone been there? I, I, I don't know what to say. And a wee bit of sweat came on my brow. And I started to realize, did, did I spray in the morning? Because if I didn't, things are going to get bad here. Because I'm hosting them in a car. And I started to realize, and I had to be careful because I really value this person. As I look at the definition of worship, I have to be careful that I'm not worshiping a person and I'm keeping God as the central focus of my affections. But nonetheless, it was natural for me to respect, to honor, to, give, to have a sense of awe in the presence of this person. And I think, I think if we're all real, there's somebody that you can think of, that if I met them, you would have that sense of awe, that sense of, well, I just want to tell you everything. I think you might understand me. I, I respect you so much. I'm actually so blown away by the gifts or the talents that you have. And really, when we think about that, that is really what it looks like to worship. And so in reality, people in the earth today, they don't all worship God the way God intended us to worship Him, which produces great fruit in our life, which produces a healthy heart, but we end up getting sidetracked, and, and the Bible talks about these things called idols, and we, we start to worship man made gods you could say, through the filter of a football team or a pop star or someone and maybe that you just respect. Um, Maybe from a different country or, or someone who's talented at a sport. I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you. But there's something in us that yearns to worship. Because it, it feels good. And the question I have is, what if God has designed you to worship someone who's so much greater than that pop star, than that preacher, than that teacher, than that musician and that sports star? What if God has designed you that you can get that kind of experience every day of every hour if you want? Because I don't know about you, but when you you end up in those situations and scenarios, it moves you. You're challenged, you're excited, you're filled with joy. And then we put God in the equation and we realize that God is so much greater than all of those things that we've experienced in a natural way. And he's available all the time. It says here in John 4 and 23, it says, Yet the time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So God has designed us to worship in truth and in spirit. What does that mean? It means you could worship probably in spirit but not truth. You could worship in truth and not spirit. But he, he, he wants both. There's maybe more than you've expected or you've experienced previously. And it's funny, if you look in this scripture, you notice that it seems that God doesn't want public speakers, impressive ones at that. He doesn't want charismatic leaders. He doesn't want the best looking, the best style, the best Instagram accounts. He doesn't want anything else but worship. Affection, connection, love, our attention. Because that's what worship is. Can I get an amen? It says in Matthew 15 and 8 and 9, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship, now this is pretty harsh, is a farce. That's a farce. Well, anyone ever used that word? That's a farce. Meaning it's just not legit, it's not, it's not authentic, it's not real. How sad would it be if God has this connection designed for us as people, as human beings, I don't care if you believe in God or not, you're, I believe you're still designed to worship. But how sad would it be if God's got this connection available for us, but we end up just going to church and going through the motions and going through the rhythm? Listen, I get it. It's possible. It's easy to get there sometimes when you're tired, life's busy but God's calling us to deeper. God's calling us to more. God's calling us to better. David sets the tone in the book of the Psalms, 100, and he says this, shout, this is to kind of set the tone for what worship can be. He says, shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth worship the Lord with gladness. Sounds very positive. There's something that David has acknowledged, he has seen, he has practiced, that has brought gladness into his heart, into his spirit. There's something that he's doing here that's bringing great joy. Maybe you've experienced worship and it just feels like stand up. I'm actually sitting down now, but (laughs) sorry. Opposite. Sit down. Stand up. Sit down. Stand up. It's a a good workout. good for your squats. good for your quads. But you're never connecting with what you're actually doing, it's just words. There's no power, there's no heart change, there's no, there's no worship. And so what what David's saying is, listen, worship, that's not how I worship. (laughs) When I worship, there's heart connection. When I worship, there's joy. When I worship, I enter into God's presence through thanksgiving. When I worship, I'm excited to worship. He's setting the tone for worship. God is seeking true worshipers. So let's talk about three things before we finish. Three thoughts through Scripture in regards to what it is to worship. Number one, we worship with awe. We worship with awe says this in Hebrews 12, verses 28 to 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. So he's starting off saying, listen, the kingdom we're a part of now, as we've put our trust in Jesus, is unshakable. We're so privileged to be a part of this unshakable kingdom. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence, and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. He's setting the tone for worship. It says in Psalms 95 and 6, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord. You see, kneeling all throughout Scripture we see is a sign of reverence. It's a sign of awe. It's a sign of submission. It's a sign of, Lord, I, I no longer want to try and worship my own idols, my own thing, my own life. I actually want to put you on the throne of my life, in the lordship position of my life. I want to submit to your ways. And when I do that, I feel glad. When I do that, I get your joy. When I do that, my heart becomes glad and full. But when when I worship my own idols and worship my own earthly things, what happens is I, I'm always yearning for more. I'm never satisfied. I'm never whole. I'm never fully content. I'm always chasing. I'm always running. It doesn't work. Can I get anyone testify to that? And listen, we can fall back into that. And, and it's just about recognizing, right, uh, is God first still? Well, you know how you can tell what you're worshiping? Where's your time going? <laughs> Where's the gifts? What are you using the gifts the talents that God has given you? What are they being used for? And lastly, probably the most clear, where's your treasure? Oh, it's getting uncomfortable in here. Where's your treasure? Where's your money? Oh, well, I've well, signed up to Man United TV. All right, Tim. It's so important. It brings me so much gladness, does it Really? Are you serious? Have you watched recently? There's no way you're getting any joy from going into that temple right now. Don't be walking out. But let's let's be honest. Who are you trusting with your heart? Your time, your talent, and your treasure will expose it all. When it comes to what you're worshiping right now, we look at within the scriptures, and we see the wise men bowed before Jesus. They gave, they were in awe. They gave him honor. They were in reverence. Simon Peter fell to his knees before Jesus. The Bible actually says that every knee shall bow one day. In awe. In reverence. When we realize that God is creator, he is Lord, he is above all, he is over all, whether we believe it or not on earth, we will eventually believe and acknowledge who God is. See, these people were overcome, overwhelmed, overflowing with gratitude. And something happens in worship when you're in that position because what happens is you meet with God. You see his heart. You see he's a good father. It begins to change your heart. It begins to soften your heart. It begins to open your heart. Because you know what life does? Life does the opposite. Often life, when it's hard, it it, it hardens your heart. It causes causes you to sidetrack. It causes you to build your own idols when you stop trusting in God and then all of a sudden you've lived your life for what? What? something which a kingdom which doesn't last a kingdom which will come to an end a kingdom which comes to a dead end second thought we worship with abandon we read in second samuel and 6 and you, listen, I've heard, I know some of you are going to be thinking when you, you hear this scripture, because you're like, oh man, is this one of these weird churches where they get a bit weird and bit uncomfortable and screw the light bulbs, you know, one of those ones. Um, but here's David, King David, David who went through all kinds of issues. He was a sinner. He fell short, but God anointed him king. And he realized some things, and I believe worship was a massive part. It says here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, And David danced before the Lord with all his might. But what you don't realize is that when that happened, if you read on within that scripture, is that his wife <laughs> was calling him out after, like, You weirdo. She didn't say that, but that's me interpreting the scenario. She went on to say David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humi- humiliated in my own eyes. That was David's response to his wife because his wife was like, you're humiliating yourself. You're being weird. It, it's To her, it nearly came across disrespectful, out of the norm, out there, outside the box. And maybe you're in here and you've been in worship environments and you see someone getting a little bit excited. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, 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 that's not how we do it in our church. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I'm getting uncomfortable right now. And so because of that, I want to stop you. Stop right there. Stop doing a wee bounce. You know, that's that's too much. Actually, the Bible says that David was half-naked. What is going on here? Catch a grip, David. I'll be honest. I've been in that situation. Not half-naked, but. <laughs> 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 well, if you catch me during the week and no one's at home, you just never know. Before I'm going for a wee dance before the Lord, but um <laughs> but let's be honest. Sometimes it does make you feel uncomfortable if it's, someone's doing something that culturally from your family, from your church. Maybe, maybe you don't even go to church, and you're just like, this is weird. But David's saying, listen, I want to stop. This is what's really going on. David's saying, I, I want to stop thinking so much about what people think about me. Because when I think too much about that, what it does, it stops me from worship." The reason why some of you in here won't experience the worship right now that God's intended for you is because you're worried about what people think. But I'm telling you, there's something special about corporate worship. That means when we come together, there's something, you you can experience things in corporate worship you can't experience on your own. But what's going to hold you back is the fear of man. It's the fear of what people think. What if and I'm not just talking about, I'm not trying to promote weirdness here, okay? I'm trying to promote worship. And what gets in the way of worship is what David realizes, like even to his wife, and his wife's journey didn't end well if you go on to read the story. But he's like, listen, my first and foremost priority in this life is you, God. You are the giver of life. I have breath in my lungs because of you, Lord, and you deserve the glory, and you deserve the praise, and I, I feel good when I do it too. And so David went on to be king, to be anointed, to be a king after God's own heart. Why? I believe a big part of that was because he learned to worship. Generations were blessed because of him, why he learned to worship. His heart was protected because he learned to worship. The people who were trying to hold him back couldn't hold him back no longer. Why? Because he learned to worship. Some of you can't move forward with your life right now. You feel stuck. You feel hindered. You're trying to people please. You're worried about what people think. And I believe if you b- begin to learn how to worship, those chains will fall. And the, the purpose that God has intended for your life will begin to be exposed to you in your heart. Why? Because you stop thinking about what people might think. And you start to now build a life That matters. That you're building something that lasts beyond the life that you live right now. You build a legacy. Can I get an amen? Remember someone telling me when it came to leadership lessons that leadership is often bringing people where they don't want to go. (laughs) Come on, parents, you know that. You're leading your family you're leading your children where, to places they don't want to go. I don't want to say please. That's mine. I don't want to give anyone else my stuff. Leadership. Because why are we leading people and to places where we don't want to go? Because we don't like to get outside the box. As human beings, honestly... We don't like to be humble. We don't like to say sorry. We don't like to be wrong. We don't like sometimes change. But God has called us to be the best version of ourselves, and that looks like saying sorry sometimes. That looks like humility. That looks like changing. That looks like getting better. That looks like worship. Because what is worship? There's a famous psychologist said this one time and he said this and he was coming, I think he's sensitive towards Christianity, but one thing he realized was this. He said, every man or woman on the earth today, the most healthy thing that they can have in their life for their own mind and their own soul is that every man or woman should have to bow the knees to someone. Because what that does for the heart, for the mind, for the soul, is it postures it in a healthy position of humility. And I'm telling you, you know what what does that? It's worship. Because when you're worshiping God, you're saying, God, you're above me. I bow the knee to you. You're greater than me. You love me. You're for me. And I trust you. I'm telling you, that postures the heart like nothing else will do. And it's, listen, we're born for it. If worldly psychology can tell us that's the case and the Bible says it, things are becoming clear that the world is starting to track what the Bible's already said for so many years. Lastly, the third thought is we worship with intimacy. We worship with intimacy. It says in Psalm 27 and 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. See, I wonder if we could have anything. Maybe what we really need is not power. It's not things. It's not money. But it's intimacy with God. What if we had intimacy with God and we... We realize we don't need to chase the power, the stuff, the things, the possession. Telling you it'll save you a lot of money, save you a lot of time. It would save you putting your gifts to build kingdoms that don't last. To change your life. See, in this church, I pray and I believe of a church that can worship not just on a weekend for a few minutes. But throughout the week that when we come to church on a weekend people will even come early imagine that to pray to set the tone the spiritual temperature for the environment because we believe when people worship God moves and when God moves as we worship hearts will mend hearts will open hearts will will come to a place where they start to see God's vision for their life instead of their own. I believe we can see a place where we can worship so much that the Holy Spirit will literally give us a touch of heaven on earth. And that broken marriages that seem impossible to fix will be fixed in Jesus' name. And people who've had hard hearts and bitterness for years and even decades will come to a place where they bow the knee and they stop listening to their own advice, and they start sp- stop speaking out the bitterness that they've spoken for years, and their heart would start to see how God sees. That we would see a church that people who come in who don't believe in God would come into an environment that is so thick with God's presence that worship would be the only response that they know how to respond with. And they would repent and they would bow their knee and come to know Jesus. Not just as a distant God but as a, a near Father. A near Savior. And they would just not, that we would have a church that would know God intimately. That people would come in every week, every day to groups and it would infiltrate the core of our church that people would share hey God spoke to me this week to sacrifice, to give, to someone in need to do radical acts of faith and justice. They would speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. That a boldness would rise within our church. And people would no longer go around unsure of who they are and whose they are and the identity that they've struggled with for so long but they would know as they worship that God is close, that God is near, that God is for me. And I'm telling you, that's what David led with. That's why he had anointing in his life that even as he went through hardship, even though he was tempted to give in to the devil's schemes, when he was tempted with Saul to pay back evil for evil, he said, no. I'm going to do this God's way. It's going to take faith. It's going to take confidence in God. God. But as I worship, He delivers me joy. He, there's, there's joy in the morning, even though the, the night is dark. What if we had a church like that? That worship was, wasn't just 10 to 15 minutes of just squatting at a weekend, but it was every day. And we would create space in our lives to give God the praise that He deserves. I'm telling you, your life would change for the better. Can I get an amen? Let's go ahead and stand. You know, when some of you think about your children or your your spouse, your parents, you know, if you're in a healthy relationship, If I was to ask you, tell me a few things that you love about that person. (laughs) You probably wouldn't have to think too much. You could probably rhyme a whole bunch of stuff off straight away. Why? Because there's intimacy. There's time. You've invested your talent, your gifts to that person. Your treasure. It's cost you something. And that's the same with God. That's the kind of intimacy God wants with us. And if you're not there, it's okay. But why don't we go there? Why don't we start to make those decisions to create space in our life? Because listen, if you haven't been there, there's more for you. It's exciting to worship. You were born for this. So come on, let's let's think about those three thoughts: that to have awe in worship, to have abandon in worship, and to have intimacy in worship. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Oriet Church podcast.